Shabbat Shalom. Over the last few weeks, I have been uh, really almost obsessively listening to a new podcast uh, about something I, I knew nothing about. Uh, it's, it's a podcast that tracks the history of the Weather Underground, the, the Weathermen, the radical group. Um, and it's, it's got interviews with the leadership, with the FBI that was trying to catch them. It's fascinating. And the beginning of the podcast sort of talks about where these radicals who wanted to overthrow the government, declared war on the United States, and planned acts of violence, which I am not condoning in any way, but where they came from and what their motivations were. And it then tracks the group as they went from their sort of violent radical roots into a more mainstream political organizing and educational sort of bent. And as I've been listening to this, and as I read this week's Parsha, I realized that this week's Parsha takes the exact same pattern. We begin with Pinchas. Now, what does Pinchas, what's, what's Pinchas known for? It's not the Levitical sacrifices. It's the yeah, I think hand motions will uh, survive, serve for this. Yes, uh, because he is so incensed at the actions of some of his fellow Israelites that he commits murder. He kills them in order to try to stop what they're doing. And does it work? Yeah, it does. What are his motivations? You know what? Actually, we're going to do this this way. I'm asking. So we're going to talk, I'm going to tell you for a second about the weather underground, and you're going to tell me about Pinchas. So what could make someone so angry that they feel this is their only recourse is violence? You can shout it out. All right, hopelessness and powerlessness. Okay, so both sort of go in the vein of I don't know how to make things better, right? The hopelessness is that maybe things won't ever get better. And the powerlessness is how could we, going through the normal way, actually affect positive change? So maybe one feels you have to kick over the table or commit an act so heinous as to try to shock. Any other? Thoughts? Ah, ah, it might be as the rabbis say, right, about Moshe, right, that he looked this way and that, and he saw that no one else was going to do something. And so he had to attack the taskmaster because no one else was going to. So perhaps it's that in the feeling where the, the regular system has failed, that we need to act outside of the system. Others, anything else? Yeah. Ah, and it might be the ends are so important or holy that they justify whatever means one has to go through. Now, where does Pinchas end? So we see he's somewhat effective. And what is the gift that Pinchas is given? It was in the first line or second line of this week's Parsha. He's given a, here's a, for 100 million bonus points, 
Nice, everyone. He's given a brit shalom, a covenant of peace. So what is a covenant of peace? What does that mean? First of all, does anyone else ever get a brit shalom? No. This is a unique gift just to Pinchas. And so what does it mean? Rashi, I'll give you you a head start. Rashi says it's pure reward. It's just he did a good thing by stopping this plague by whatever means necessary. So he gets his Brit Shalom Mazel Tov. What else might this covenant of peace be? Anyone? It's enough. Enough already. Yes, exactly. It might be. God says, look, Pinchas, okay, you did what you did. You stopped the Magefa. You, okay, all right. Enough. Shalom. Die. It's time to stop. Very nice. It very well might be that. Um, what else? Yeah, Dana. Yeah, you're cheating. You read ahead. I, you know, yeah. Great. So we're going to talk about the broken vav in just a second and what the rabbis have to say about it. I want to bring one other, though. So the Chizkuni says that the reason this breach shalom is actually a shalom of peace because of the family of the people that Pinchas murdered are going to come for him. And so the shalom is, we're going to stop that. You, it's sort of an immunity, right? Which inherently acknowledges that this action causes ripple effects that might be bad and needs this divine intervention to stop it. And finally, there's this idea, the broken up. So when the Talmud talks about the breach shalom, it actually reads it not as a plus or a minus, it reads it as a new law for the priesthood. And it says that only someone who is shalem, only someone who is whole, can serve as a Levite, as a priest in the temple. And often this is meant to mean that a priest can't have any sort of blemish of any kind or something. And that would, that would uh, uh, preclude one from being uh, an active duty priest. But I also think that this wholeness we're talking about might be a wholeness of spirit and of soul. And that the act of violence that Pinchas committed perhaps was effective, but rent him to some degree. His soul was torn by this act of violence, and he could not serve as a priest again until he became whole. And so we see that, yes, We understand in many ways. I think I'm imagining that many of us, as we look out in the world today, see things that we would like to just stop in whatever way we can. And we want to just let everyone know that they're wrong and it's time to stop and move on and Shabbat Shalom. But we see that has some positives and some negatives to it and some ripple effects that we might need stopping from and some personal costs to us. Just, I don't know what the equivalent, but you know, shouting on Twitter isn't going to help. So then we go to the end of the Parsha, because there's another way of making change at the end. What is it? You, you guys did real well on the first one, so we'll do a, a quiz again. What is the avenue of change we see towards the end of the Parsha? We didn't we, uh, see it. It's in the middle of the Parsha, so we didn't read it. The daughters of Zlovcha. 
This one's a little less famous, maybe perhaps than Pinchas. They don't get a Parsha named after them. So daughters of the daughters of a man named Zelophehan, their father dies. There's no one to inherit the land. By the law of the Torah as it is, they, being women, don't inherit any portion of the land. They see this as a problem. And so what do they do? They go to Moses and they say, <clears throat> excuse us, but this seems unjust and unfair. And Moshe says, I'm paraphrasing. Moshe says, hey, that's a nice point. Hold on. Let me check in with the Lord. Picks up the red phone, calls God. God says, the words they have spoken are are good, correct. The, the daughters of Zelophehad spoke accurately and they changed the law. And from that point on, we're told that the, that the women can inherit in the case where there isn't a male to inherit. Look, it's not perfect, but it's a step. I, Ms. Levin, I understand. Yes, that's so I said it's a step in the, in the right direction. It's not perhaps uh, the full equality that we would like. All right. Um, this is a fun precedent. Shout out at any time, guys. I like this. Okay. So what do we learn from the daughters of Zlofachat? When it says that they speak that they speak correctly, it might be that they're, they were, and it was just an accurate read of the law. And God just says, oh, yeah, you know what? I had forgotten to sort of say that, but that is true. Or Chaim actually goes even further, one of our classical commentaries, and says that when God gives this um, uh, imprimatur or gushpanka of it's okay, if this was divinely sealed, it's actually the entire process that God says was good, right? The process of going to Moshe, of complaining, of making one's case, of coming to God, right? Of fixing it, that entire thing, God says, is okay. And what do they get? This is what's interesting, I think. At the end of the story, the daughters of Zelophehad, and this, this new rule, it's called, they're given a chok, le mishpah, a law that is going to be law, le'olam, forever. So unlike Pinchas's breach shalom, which carries with it this idea of both it's good, but also uh, die enough. We need to, you know, be careful and wary of this. And it's got a broken vav and we're a little worried. The daughters of Zelophehad are given a chok lemishpah olam. They're given this law that will last for all time. So as we read through this, we see ourselves, I imagine, both at the beginning and the end of the Parsha. And that's probably the point. There are things in this world that make us want to pull out our hair and go do whatever we can by any means necessary to try to fix something. We need to be careful, but also channel them. And then there are things where we want to go and say, you know what, there's a system we will work within the system and the system will help us be sustainable in whatever change we want to see in the world around us. And both examples are brought in the Parsha because both examples exist in our world and both examples, I imagine, exist within us at any given time with the Torah admittedly putting its thumb on the scale of working within, it's not surprisingly, the system of laws. Because that's what the Torah thinks is the best way to move forward. And the Torah thinks that all of us coming together and that is how we can, in fact, 
change our society. And it's also not without note that the act that Pinchas did is one of violence and to a degree exclusion. And the act of the daughter of Zavloch Bechad working towards law is an act of inclusion. Again, maybe not what we fully want it to be, but of bringing more into the fold, of bringing more into the protections of the law. And that is the way that it is set up. And if we can work in that way, whether we're talking in our Jewish world or our world beyond the walls of the synagogue, of bringing laws together to make us protected and included, then hopefully we build what will be for all of us a chok l'mishpah l'olam, a law that will be protecting us for all time. Shabbat Shalom.